Hello and welcome to the Popcorn for Dinner podcast. Today I'm your host Ibuka and Bankole, Jibs and Chinedu have abandoned me to go partake in the latest orgy of the gods. So you only have me, I shall be discussing everything Thor Love and Thunder. I'm going to be talking about what I loved about the movie, what I hated about the movie, what I felt was good, could have been done better and what just did not work for me. Before I proceed, a little bit of housekeeping. But before that, let's give a massive round of applause to Bankole because he made us proud. Yeah, big congrats to the one of the Popcorn for Dinner family movie that Bankole worked on as a producer. Recently got a private screening in London. It's a film by Comfort Emmanuel. And it's titled The Inside Joke, so you guys keep an eye out for that when it gets the wider public release. And please go support us, support Bankoli, and support Comfort, who is a brilliant black woman. Now for the housekeeping. Bankoli, I and a friend of the podcast, we recently dropped an episode talking Stranger Things, all things about the kids from Hawkins, and you can go find that. I know everyone watches Stranger Things, so if you're listening to this, please go listen to that episode and see what we think about the season so far. Um, Jibs and I also dropped an episode speaking about the boys' season 4 finale. It was chaotic all over the place, but hey man, that's how we act when Bankole is not here to to give us structure. Bankole and another friend of the podcast have also been covering Miss Marvel during its run. Considering the ending of Miss Marvel episode 6, Miss Marvel might prove to be important in the future of the MCU. I think we can finally, finally begin to talk about Thor, Love and Thunder. I really, really, really wish I had someone else on this podcast episode because now I have to, pre- I have to be balanced. I was going to say pretend to be balanced, but I actually think I am in a very balanced position because... When this movie was announced, I loved the premise of this movie. I loved, you know, Gore the God Butcher. We're, we're going to see a proper villain in the MCU with such a strong motivation, right? Not a villain that's been wronged by Tony Stark, but a villain with a strong motivation. And we're going to see how Thor deals with this villain, right? And one of the, one of the, I wouldn't say failings of the MCU or one of the things that the MCU has done with the Thor character is obviously make him more comedic. And I always, like, I always thought from the first Thor, Thor always had that slightly comedic edge to him. So it would have been interesting to see how he interacted with a character like Gore the God Butcher, who is definitely not on the comedic side at all, where Thor is living his perhaps happy-go-lucky life and Gore the God Butcher has just come to rock his shit, like flip his entire world and worldview upside down, right? I was excited for such, like for everything to come together. So let me preface this by saying I did not love Ragnarok. I didn't love Ragnarok as much as everyone loved Ragnarok because I expected Ragnarok to be a much more serious event. I wanted it to be a much more serious event, and in that moment, I did not enjoy what 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 Taika Waititi and Chris Hemsworth did with the Thor character. Okay, 
Now, saying all that, I went to Thor Love and Thunder ready to hate the movie. But I came out of the movie the first time and I really, really liked the movie. And then I saw it the second time and I had called on the movie, but I still felt it had enough good things for it to not be a complete write-off the way some people have tried to make it seem, if that makes sense. So, since this is a solo pod, this is basically going to be like a one-man review of Thor Love and Thunder. And I'm sorry, there's going to be spoilers because it's been out for a while and there's no way to for me to properly speak about this without spoiling it. So I'm going to try do an initial five-minute section where there's no spoilers. So if you haven't seen the movie, stick around for the next five minutes and then I'll give a spoiler warning when I'm about to go into spoiler territory. So I'm going to give a quick synopsis for Thor Love and Thunder because I'm assuming if you're listening to a spoiler-free review of Thor Love and Thunder, you want to know what the movie's about before you commit to watching it, right? So basically the premise of Thor Love and Thunder is that Gore, who is known as the God Butcher, is a worshipper of a certain god. His people have died, his people are hungry, and he prays to this god to deliver them, but that god doesn't deliver. And he happens to run into this god when he's lost everything. Think about a man who's lost everything. If you're a Christian, think about Job in the Bible. So he's run into his God and he realizes that God really doesn't care for his people who dedicated their lives to them. And then from that moment, he makes a vow to kill all gods. Thor is with the Guardians of the Galaxy as we left him in Infinity War. So as we left him in Endgame, he's with the Guardians of the Galaxy going on adventures fighting, doing general guardian shit mixed with Thor shit. And then he gets wind of this god butcher and obviously Thor is a god, sets them up on a collision course and that's basically the plot of the film. Gore is going around killing gods. Thor is a god, so either he waits for Gore to come kill him or he goes to confront Gore and tries to get him to stop killing gods. Now, okay, I enjoyed this film because the film was funny in its moments. There's some great sequences in this film in terms of cinematography, um, camera work, fight choreography, and there's certain aspects of this film people have a problem with that I do not at all. One of the aspects of this film that I loved and I've seen people complain about is the colour grading or the color on screen in this movie i have been saying it for a while that movies these days need more color especially the comic book movies we have like these are comic books we're adapting like comic books are colorful like yeah the batman is good and it's cool but i hate i i hated seeing a spider-man film and the fights are happening at night and you can't see anything or an end game where they're fighting, where everything is so dark and grey. And I'm like, these he- heroes are colourful. Their blasts are colourful. Let's see some colour on the screen. Let my eyes pop. You know, let my eyes water at the colour. And, and Taika Waititi and Thor gave us that in this film. So for that, I'm very happy. Um, 
in terms of spoiler-free criticism of this film, um, one very obvious one is perhaps the pacing, right? And if there's anything that this film didn't do right, is that they gave us little tastes of some things that we would have wanted to see more of. I'm not going to spoil anything, and I'm not going to give too much detail, but there's things I wish they did more of or put more of in in the film. Thor was Thor, man. Chris Hemsworth said a long time ago he didn't want to play serious Thor and he much prefers the character this way. When it comes to decisions like that and it's an actor like Hemsworth and his standing in the MCU, if he says this is how he wants to play Thor, then that's just how we have to let him play Thor. He's got the director that bounces perfectly off him, Taika Waititi. So he played Thor. He can play Thor in his sleep is what everyone says. And honestly, it's true. Like you... Jane is back. Jane is great in this film. Taika Waititi does a great job of sh- building chemistry between Thor and Jane. More chemistry than they've ever had in the MCU, honestly, in like very limited screen time. And we really see their chemistry or their love be shown in a way we've never seen in the MCU previously, to be honest. Um, Valkyrie, Valkyrie, I wish Valkyrie did more in the movie or like she had more impactful scenes there were definitely there was definitely room or scope to increase her role or increase her own personal journey in the film but it wasn't there um not too hung up on that but yeah it's something that would have been good if we got in the film Korg Korg is funny Korg is one of the funniest aspects of of the movie i know i've seen people complain about korg being in the film too much or korg being like korg being funny when it was in small doses but i don't know man i read most of the comedy in ragnarok and in love and thunder that i love is related to korg korg is very 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 funny but yeah taika likes being in his movies and korg is funny so i'm not going to complain about that the Guardians, well, I won't say too much about the Guardians. When you see the movie, you see. I think those are those are the main characters you need to speak to. Russell Crowe Zeus, I did not love. That's a personal preference. Is I know people might have liked him, people might like him. That's a completely personal thing, which I might get into later why I didn't like Russell Crowe Zeus. It might be what Taika Waititi did with him. It might be his look not being what I wanted from my Zeus, but we'll get into that later. How could I speak about the characters and almost forget Gore? Christian Billman, what can I say about this guy? As soon as I finished the film the first time, held the opinion the second time, this is a top three MCU villain, even in his limited screen time, stole the show in every scene, did what he had to do, beautiful backstory, Christian Bale was acting his ass off in almost why am I even saying almost? He was acting his ass off in every damn scene. He was ready. Honestly, if not that Gore has a has a short arc in the comics, I would have wanted this Christian Bale character in many, many more films, man. I can't, I'm very, very grateful that we got Christian Bale in the MCU and it just feels like this role was good for him. But Christian Bale is Christian Bale. Like, he could do anything. Like, you could tell me Christian Bale is Doctor Doom tomorrow, and I'll be like, yes, he's going to kill it. You could tell me he would be 
Mr. Fantastic and I'll say yes, he's going to kill it. So yeah, I'm very happy we got Christian Bale. And when you see the movie, you're going to be very happy we got Christian Bale to costumes as well. Some of the costumes in this movie were great. I really, really liked the Thor costumes. You get to see more of, like, it felt very much like a comic book. Like, Thor had different costumes. Jane had a costume that was very shiny, very bright, very, you know, you could, you could, it wasn't just like a Iron Man manufactured suit. And I feel like with Thor, they're allowed to do certain things that they can't do with the Earth-based heroes. Like, Thor is Thor defies logic. He's magic and science rolled up into one. But some of the Earth-based heroes, like <laughs> the Hulk is never going to wear like a pair of purple boxers or purple like thin shorts. Like that just doesn't work, work with what we have right now. Like Cap isn't going to wear like very colorful blue and red and white spandex. He has his military grade, military, like military grade gear that's a, a dark shade of blue. You know, it's just, it's very difficult to see comic accurate costumes and just the kind of color we see with Thor. So, in terms of the comedy of this film as well, sometimes it hits, sometimes it didn't. I'll speak about that later. When it hits, it hits. And some of the jokes were a little subtle. Some of them were too in your face. But hey man, that's the line you have to thread with Taika Waititi. Well, so I hope I'm not missing out anything before I move into the spoiler parts or the spoiler section of the episode. Okay, let's go into the spoiler section. I feel like I've spent a decent amount of time speaking about what I really liked in this film, right? So I'm just going to go and speak about specific scenes from the movie and just, I might take it step by, like, step by step, frame by frame, and discuss why I liked, why I didn't like, and just do them all together. So first of all, when this movie opens, as soon as it opened in the desert with Gore walking in the scorching sun, I did a mini fist bump in the cinema because I could see that the, they were going for like a haunting start, like Christian Bill was doing his thing. I I think I saw somewhere that they had to reshoot that scene because it was too scary at the start. They did not want to scare too many kids at the start. Either they had to reshoot it or their original idea was for Christian Bale's gore to like carve out his religious scarring because he did have religious tattoos and everything at the start. But then at the end of the movie, you see he has scars all over his body. They were supposed to show you him being so in enraged with the gods that he has scratched out his religious scarring. So that scene was beautiful, perfect introduction, perfect. Like that scene was when I said, okay, shit, like this villain is going to be everything that I expected him to be. Let's go. Staying on the topic of the villain, Gore the God Butcher was excellent throughout the movie. Um, Moving on from that scene, there was a scene where he was with the kids and the kids are talking about gods and how heroic Thor is because Thor beheaded something I can't remember exactly and then he comes and beheads an animal in front of the kids and the animal's head rolls and the kids scream and jump back and he has this kind of Joker-esque laugh and Joker-esque 
puzzled look like oh i thought you guys like beheadings what happened now is it because it's not god doing the beheading and he's like you know you could really see the change basically gore the god butcher uses the necrosword and the necrosword is supposed to corrupt the user and you could really see the change in christian bale's gore from the opening scene to where he ended up at the end of the film or right before the end of the film which leads into one criticism that i had is that i wish they showed more of christian bill of gore the god butcher's journey being corrupted by the sword you could see him become more whimsical more comfortable like initially when he lost his daughter he was distraught and he killed the god but he wasn't comfortable in the god butcher's skin but when he's obviously making the jokes about i thought you guys like beheadings you could see that he was becoming more accepting of what he was who his purpose had now become to kill all gods and even in his first confrontation with thor i remember sitting up in the cinema when he teleported and threw thor into a car i was like okay shit this 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 has gotten this has gotten real this is going serious but yeah I came out of the cinema the first time thinking Gore was perfectly dosed, but my one complaint I've realized now, someone mentioned it to me before I went to see the film the second time, and on the second viewing of the film, I actually completely agree, is that Gore did not kill enough gods on screen. And that, and I think a missed opportunity, what they could have done, is show the growing dread in Thor, or the growing dread across the universe as gore killed more and more and more gods i understand i'm the biggest lover of short ass movies were to pete davidson but that's something hey maybe there's no way they could have done that and made the film a reasonable runtime and if that was the case then hey i'm all for it but that's something that would have been very nice to see and i think like in in the interest of not dragging too long i think those are my thoughts on gore the god butcher like i'm going to stop it there bill was magnificent the makeup costume was magnificent his arc in the movie no complaints i just wish we saw more of him killing gods and i wish we saw more of his journey being corrupted by the necrosword so <clears throat> moving on from gore the god butcher i already said thor was great the Guardians leaving... The Guardians. The Guardians were in this one for 5-10 minutes and they left in the first 5-10 minutes. Now, I know a couple people that were angry about the Guardians not being in the film that much. And I'm saying like this is the problem that people had with the multiverse of madness, Doctor Strange, that they're now trying to bring into this Thor movie. Doctor Strange multiverse of madness was always going to be a Doctor Strange film, but people thought we were going to see all sorts of characters from all sorts of universes like yeah we were lucky enough to see the illuminati but because it was it was supposed to be a doctor strange movie they had to kill those niggas off pretty immediately so it's the same thing with thor love and thunder yeah the guardians were fun and i would have loved to see rocket and thor go back and forth for the entirety of this film but it's just it wasn't going to happen because this is a thor film directed by taika waititi unless they were going unless they were going to he was going to co-direct it with james gunn i don't think james gunn would have let taika or any other director have his guardians for a whole film and like make i, I just 
I don't I didn't see it and I think it's a smart decision by Marvel to always keep the focus of these movies on bro Doctor Strange didn't even have anyone else from the multiverse in his movie and he was already getting allegations that the movie was Wanda's or the movie was America Chavez's so yeah I like that they were there for five ten minutes did their bits and left now quick few words on Thor Chris Hemsworth I one of the major criticisms of this film is that Thor is funny Thor is you know but I I thought it's been well established that Thor being funny is a trauma response See, like, I came to this film ready to hate. I was like, if I see one joke in this cinema when Gore the God Butcher is about, I'm walking out of the cinema. But as if it wasn't drummed in enough into us, that conversation at the start of the movie with Star-Lord, where Thor is obviously using humor and the jokes about the handshake and everything as a coping mechanism when he's breaking up inside, that was just, like, the movie telling me, and I just accepted at that point that, Thor is going to make jokes, maybe till he leaves the MCU or till he dies, because one, Chris Hemsworth doesn't want to be serious Thor, and two, if th- this is Thor's method of coping with everything that's happened in his life, like I, I just see it like that, like he, he, he almost can't take life too seriously because what, because realistically, what is there for him to take seriously? Like he ended up speaking to Jane again, like speaking to your ex after a long time in this film again. But he's he's lost everything. Like he's basically here on borrowed time. Like that's why he's just jumping gongoho into missions, running into fights, running into because he's here, like I know this to some people here, listen, this might think this is a crappy excuse for what the MCU has done to Thor. But yeah, like, with Thor himself being funny, I have no problem with. I do have a problem with some of the things this film did to the Thor character. Like, the whole bit with Zeus, which I'll get to in, in a minute. The whole bit with Zeus, of when someone does something to Thor or with Thor and it's too comedic, I do not like it. But Thor himself telling jokes, whether that be in, like, serious moments or moments that are traumatic and he's trying to lighten the mood with a joke i've just accepted that that's what the thor character is going to be in the mcu now speaking about that zeus point this is my biggest biggest criticism of this film right my this whole entire scene probably took off one or two points from what i was going to read this movie that entire bit with Zeus played like something out of epic movie or scary movie. It was it was that annoying to me. It was that annoying brand of comedy. I don't know why it was so annoying to me. I just it was already annoying me previously with Zeus with the whole showboating and everything and the marching and everything. It felt like it was in the wrong movie. Before that scene, I didn't feel like the comedy was too much. I didn't feel like it was overdone but that scene specifically just it's like it's like Taika was like you know shaking salt into the movie or shaking comedy into the movie and then the lid dropped into the pot of soup and all the salt in the in the, in the container fell with the lid that's how that scene felt like even when Zeus flicked and Thor like became naked in front of 
thousands of gods. I just rolled my eyes. I was like, this is not funny. You know, like there's a bunch of shit that happened in the movie that was funny. And there's a bunch of subtle comedy that happens in the film that I'm like, this is really, really good work. Like the rock god sitting on a throne of scissors was beautiful, beautiful detail. Like I, I laughed at that. But then things like that, I just don't, I don't know. It played like some other epic movie. That's one thing that, that's my biggest criticism of this film. That particular scene is, it's, it's crazy. But <clears throat> yeah, um, going back on track and speaking about characters, um, I already said what I had to say about Valkyrie. Jane Foster. Now, I already spoke about how I like Jane in this movie. Jane in this movie has cancer. Terminal cancer, stage 4. But Mjolnir protects her. Like, she goes to New Asgard because Mjolnir is calling to her and she becomes the mighty Thor. This is a storyline from the comics where Jane gains the power of Thor when she wields Mjolnir. Now, one thing that I thought would have been interesting, but hey man, I'm just, I'm just a nigga on on his couch recording a podcast about film and TV. But one thing that I thought would have been interesting would have been, I don't know how they would have done it. This is why, like I said, they have paid millions of dollars for this. I'm just a nigga on the couch. But it was an interesting dynamic where Jane was using Mjolnir to protect and Mjolnir was killing her and Gore was using the Necrosword to attack and the Necrosword was killing him. So he protect, no, he attack, she protect. I just thought that was an interesting dynamic. Maybe they could have done more with that. Maybe this is, maybe it was just there for people like me to notice and say that's an interesting juxtaposition. Both of them using weapons that are killing them. One's using it for good, one's using it for bad. But yeah, Jane was good in this film. I loved her relationship with Thor. Some of her jokes didn't land too well but it was it was it was jane was really good in this film man the fact that she came back is already a win in itself for the mcu if you know the like backstage stuff that happened with her and why she left the mcu in the first place it's i like jane in this film and with regards to the mighty thor yeah whoever wields mjolnir knows how to fight like bankole said it. like he's happy they just didn't show us her having to learn how to throw it and catch it. Like, if you wield Mjolnir, you know how to use it. That's just, that's, that's, them's the rules. I feel like we shouldn't also underrate some of the, like, some of the touching moments in this film still hit hard. I know people say, like, the Thor films especially, the MC doesn't let them have touching moments some of the touching moments in this film hit hard and some and I'm, i keep thinking back to thor and jane in that beautiful interdimensional like bridge or whatever and thor explaining to jane why he wants to feel shitty about her and that, i thought that was it. like a joke came after there were jokes in between but i still thought you know that scene hit me like i i i felt something so yeah, like, I'm not going to come out and say this is the best movie the MCU has released. I'm not going to come out and say this movie is better than Ragnarok. But I'm going to tell you that, honestly, you will have fun in this film. And this is going to lead into something I want to talk about where I remember texting Banky and I was like, you know what, like, the MCU, first of all, has the multiverse now, right? 
and different writers do different comics. Same way different directors do different films. Like, why can't we allow the MCU the grace, right, to have a movie that is just one day, right? The MCU, maybe the MCU isn't big enough, but one day we should allow the MCU the grace to just have a bloody Thor and Jane romance movie. Like, yeah, Thor has his powers. Yeah, there might be a villain or a minor villain, but it's the main point of the film is that it's a rom-com between Thor and Jane. There's a little montage in this movie, and I, I remember saying that, like, I would watch a movie like that. Like, a movie showing the how the difficulties of dating a Norse god as a human. A human dating a Norse god, a Norse god dating a human, seeing the, like both their perspectives. Because if the MCU one day gets big enough where they just they have their own film studio where they can make anything with these characters, I, I would I would like to see it. One day we're going to have a director that makes a proper apocalyptic Ragnarok film. Maybe we'll get Zack Snyder. Maybe we'll get Michael Bay to do Love and Thunder. Maybe we'll get um History Man, the guy who did the Northman. Robert Eggers. Robert Eggers would love to work with, you know, Gore the God Butcher or Hella. Robert Eggers, Ariaster. One day we're going to get some of these direct, hopefully we can get one of these directors directing the Thor movie that everyone so desperately wants to see. You know, one where Thor is all serious and brooding and like Jon Snow-ish and hating everyone. And he's like, Prince Zuko, I need to regain my honor, blah, blah. One day we'll be able to see that. But for for now, right before I entered the movie, even though I went in ready to hate, I was like, I'm just going to enjoy whatever this film decides to give me. I'm going to take the good with the bad and come out thinking more of the good than the bad. And yeah, the MCU isn't as good as it used to be. The MCU this, the MCU that. But hey man, Love and Thunder was a fun film. I had points I enjoyed. I had points I did not... I feel like I've been here before saying the same thing with the Eternals because it, none of it made any sense. Like, we're punishing Marvel for doing things that we've asked for before because they can't have everything. One day a film's gonna have everything from Marvel. Maybe it's gonna, maybe it's Infinity War. Maybe that's the peak the MCU's ever going to be. One day a movie's gonna have everything we asked for and that's fine. Eternals gave us beautiful costumes, more colors, um, a big team with like, backstory and they try to do all of that in one movie thor is giving us more cause like expanding the mc universe into more cosmic shit giving us more colors in love and thunder giving us a future direction of thor the character and is giving us what's it called a a rom-com right in the middle of a fucking adventure flick so like i said i take the good with the bad it's not the best film the mc has released but it's damn sure not the worst. If you go in, if you're a fan of Thor, you have fun. You cringe at some of the jokes. But hey, the MCU is not going to hit every time. There has to be a, a, a an acceptable pass mark. If that if that is if that is to be said. Also, everyone has MCU fatigue now, man. Like I feel like people go into the movies now and ready to decide on pick on something they don't like. Like. With all due respect, some of the MCU films we love 
from back in the day. I'm very sure if they were released now, people would go in, nitpick them to hell. The IMDb goes from 8.3 to 6.7. I didn't love Russell Crowe's use. And let me try and explain why now. It's because when I heard we're getting Russell Crowe's use, I was expecting 300 or um, White House down type of Russell Crowe, you know. I wasn't expecting what we got in the film. Maybe that was my fault because that was all we're always going to get with Taika Waititi. But I wasn't expecting that and I didn't like it. I didn't like the accent. I didn't like, like I said, felt like it was straight up epic movie. Like I wouldn't have been surprised if there was like I was half expecting there to be a scene of Zeus like dropping all his armor and then being in a pair of diapers. I just mm, that scene was very blah. I didn't I didn't I didn't like it at all. I really like the ending man, like Thor with his little adopted daughter and she's put on her boots and I'm I'm thinking to myself like I know Thor is not going to let this... I know Thor is not taking this alien girl to a school after she just spats fire from her mouth. And then he's... And then, no, it's worse. Like, I initially thought, I know this nigga isn't taking her to a school because that's so terrible. But, no, it's worse. He's using her as child labor to fight his battles and endangering her life. And he gave her Stormbreaker and he's, like, back to Mjolnir. And it's just... Oh god! Oh, but there was a really, really, really cool sequel. Okay, yeah, I haven't spoken about the bloody um Shadow Realm. That Shadow Realm sequence is one of my favorites. In like, I don't even want to exaggerate, but I really, really like that Shadow Realm sequence. Everything about it, from when they land there, when they arrive, when Jane realizes a trap, and then she tosses. Stormbreaker into the cosmos and then um Gore trapping all three of them, Gore ex- justifying his stance to all three of them and asking them why they're not on his side. He goes to Jane, he's like, You have cancer, like you've prayed to gods, I'm sure, but they've not cured you of your cancer. He goes to Valkyrie, like the gods watched you and all your sisters and even your girlfriend die, and they didn't they they didn't think it was deep enough for them to intervene or they didn't think to give you respite so why are you fighting for these people and then he goes to Thor and he even tries to he starts strangling Jane and killing her in front of Thor and he tells Thor to like summon Stormbreaker because he needed Stormbreaker for his plan and he tells Thor to summon Stormbreaker and he does this by telling Thor to choose love which I thought was really when you do that, when that happens in the middle of the film, and then at the end of the film, it ends with Thor begging Gore to choose love, the same way Gore told him to choose love initially. It's I I really like that. I wouldn't even call it foreshadowing. I just call it mirroring. But yeah, Gore in that scene was fantastic. Not too much talking, just the right amount. And then when they got loose, the fight was beautiful. His him in particular, though, I like the way they made his character fights, like the gliding, the teleporting. It was perfect for for a character like that. But like I said, 
I wish he got to kill more. I wish we saw more of his descent into madness or like delirium by via the necrosword. Okay, let me not forget this one big personal criticism of this film, and it's in relation to Gore and his motivation. There was not enough exploration into what Gore thought and why he thought what he thought, if he was right in what he thought. So if you've seen the film and if you've if you if you've seen the film, you know that Gore thought that all the gods were selfish assholes who only cared about themselves. So the film showed us that this was mostly true, but it only showed us through the eyes of Zeus. That Zeus was selfish and he didn't care about his people. He didn't even care about the lesser gods. Right? And I personally when that scene finished, I was like, damn, not even one god could go up to Thor after and, you know, ask about this Gore character. Not even one god showed any interest in fighting with Thor. Which is fair enough, but like if they if they showed or at least showed Thor thinking to himself, Thor never pondered to himself, like, hold on, like, is there a reason why Gore thinks the way he does? Is there a reason why does is he actually right? Like have there been moments in my life where I've been selfish, where I've not given a fuck about mortals, where my dad has been selfish, where Loki has been selfish, you know, s- stuff like that. Even though Thor is only a demigod, so he was probably like lower on the list and sooner for Gore to kill before he got to Zeus and all those gods. But I, I really wish they spent more time with Thor self because it would have just been a perfect wrap up, right? Like Thor is in this movie trying to find a purpose or like trying to allow the universe to speak to him because he feels like he's been because he's so powerful he's so strong he's he wins every battle easily he's trying to find purpose the earth doesn't need him he's going around the galaxy it would have been great for him to now like rethink his entire life like have i been selfish as a god have i not been fulfilling my duties have i because if thor is the god like he thinks he is or he wants to be what the guardians do is akin to what he would do, which is go around helping people in need, right? Which is what he's been doing since this movie started, like, since the end of Endgame. But with Gore's assertion that, like, all gods are terrible people, him rethinking his entire life before that would have been good, or him even, like, trying to find out the reasoning behind Gore killing all gods. Because apart from Gore and us, the audience, I don't think anyone in the movie knows why Gore kills gods until like he starts explaining his plan to Thor, Valkyrie and Jane. I don't know, I might be remembering wrong, but I just think it would have been good for him to cuz even when he explains his plan to Thor, Thor doesn't have any real retort or any real, you know, argument per se as to why the gods aren't terrible, why there are good gods, or why the gods are still even necessary. It's it's like, yeah, Thor is one of the good ones, and he saves the kids and all that, but I definitely wish there was more talk about... Gore's motivations were simple. Like, a man loses his daughter, he sees the god had the ability to save her, the god doesn't give a fuck. His motivations are simple, but I wish how those motivations affected Thor, where... Like, Thor couldn't even let out a young... Like, when he was at the omnipot- like omnipotent city, he couldn't even let out a young, yeah, 
you all like you know how Tyrion gave that speech in Game of Thrones Westeros where um where he gave that speech at the trial where he's talking about how they all deserve to die and he wish he had the gods to like like poison Joffrey and kill all of them in the city that's what that's what I expected from Thor when they all re- rejected his help like okay you guys are actually all selfish assholes and Gore should come and kill all of you. And then Gore bursts in and like does kill a good number of them before Thor decides to step in. And ah, Okay, no, we're darkening Thor a little too much. Let me chill. But yeah, I just wish there was more there was more exploration of what Gore thought and why he thought that way and how it affected Thor and how Thor saw Gore's point of view. But hey man, I d- I'm not writing a movie here. So in conclusion, Thor Ragnarok is probably a strong 6, 6.5 out of 10. But that's only because of, some, like, the movie has some really nice things sprinkled around. I just wish it was ironed out a bit better and they added to it. That's the thing, like, they already had the things there. I just wish they built more on them. So yeah, a strong 6, 6.5 out of 10. But hey, man. It's it's done, it's done. I kind of enjoyed this, but I also feel like I made too much reference to what people said. But I kind of enjoyed this. Maybe this should become like a regular segment on Popcorn for Dinner, where I get on here and defend bad movies. Because I would have done one for Morbius, honest to God. Because I still think <laughs> Morbius is a terrible film, right? But I still think that, that scene where he learns how to glide on the air like a bat oh my god that's like top top 10 scenes in comic book films i'm so sorry i was so sorry i would have done it for morbius yeah we'll have some meetings at hq and decide if, if this should become a permanent thing where you know i'm more willing to defend a bad movie than a bad tv show like a bad movie still has something a bad tv show is just indefensible I hope you guys have enjoyed me ranting, but at the same time raving about the good things in Thor Ragnarok. Annoyed with the bad things. I hope I've presented a balanced view of what the movie was. And if you have any thoughts you don't like, if you have any thoughts you want to share with us or you need the world to hear, just at us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, anywhere. Just just at us and tell us we're wrong because this or we're right because this tell us what you thought about thor love and thunder where do you think it ranks in the mcu where do you think it ranks amongst thor films you know so yeah i want to thank you guys for listening to my voice for what is a weirdly long time to listen to one person's voice uh thank other members of the Popcorn for Dinner team, Bankole, Chinadu, Jibs, and thank you, our dedicated and loyal listeners. We appreciate you so much more than you know. Um, until next time, where I'm back in your airports defending another bad movie. It's been a pleasure.